0: You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. And today's story is One Seat Empty by Duke Ferret, a queer romance and sports fiction writer who uploads short stories monthly on his furry social media accounts. One may follow his work by the Twitter handle at Dukeinduke, that's two O's and then a U, or the username Duke Ferret on Fur Affinity and SoFurry. Please enjoy... One Seat Empty by Duke Ferret My arm was numb when I woke up this morning. Figures. I was sleeping awkwardly on my side, legs spread diagonally across the mattress and my right arm draped over the other pillow. I opened my eyes to find the thawing sun filtering through the blinds, tracing long stripes of white through the scraggly gray bedroom carpet. I sat up and stretched my arm. Contracting the bicep and wiggling the paw, working sensation back into the limb, I met it with my other paw and rose them above my head before I shot open my muzzle and shook the world with a gargantuan yawn. My knees twinged as it dropped out of bed, I scoured around for my slippers until I spotted the fluffy pink pair at the closet door. Arthur loved to make fun of them, teasing how they clashed with my modest burgundy bedrobe. I shamelessly put on the offending items and shuffled my way to the mirror. Muzzle, still black and white. I always had to check these days just to make sure my eyes weren't going. I slipped the robe over my bare chest and tied it up front before raking a claw through my dark head fur to give it that uh, combed back look. Arthur called it my fifties bad boy style, like I was one of those deep-voiced badgers singing rock and roll and picking up ladies like groceries. I guess I had one thing in common with my parents' lifestyle after all. "'the gray carpet led me out into the hallway, "'where I followed it down the stairs "'as it gave way to the front door, "'parallel to the wider expanse of the kitchen. "'The great pilgrimage from bed "'took me straight to the holy coffee machine. "'I set it to brew for the usual amount, "'which seemed to rise steadily at this point, "'like a lapse in my, not to gloat, "'practiced self-discipline. "'With the coffee on, "'I strolled over to the calendar "'beside the curtained backyard door. "'There was never much to do in October.' Week stretched over week in our little hollow, counted out in cars pulling into my shop before they made their way back to town by the bay. Though, if you wanted to get here on foot, it wasn't hard. Just climb the nearest mountain range by the airport, walk along twelve miles of sparse paved road, cut through some farmland, and you'd soon enough find yourself at this stodgy road stop. There was something in this month, though, occurring every year, right around the time the first leaves fell. I slid my eyes from the circle date and left to put on breakfast. I always loved mornings, but I wasn't really a breakfast guy. I looked at those fancy rich guy hotel breakfasts the same way I saw a slice of toast. Something about the morning just made everything taste like laundry. I remember one time before we got engaged, Arthur took me down a ski resort up north. He got me some kind of mixed fruit tray to go along with my toast and eggs during the first morning. I pretended like it was a breakthrough just to see the look on his broad reptilian face. Wide-eyed, with a rare, childlike excitement over his normally cool, self-confident appearance. I wanted him to think he finally solved old Gord. My right paw met my left, and I found myself fiddling with my ring. He might have been putting it on, too, though. Arthur always told me that was part of what made me sweet. The sacrifices, large and small— I might have been the more outwardly emotional one, but he was the poet with the ability to put these feelings back into words. The pop of the toaster poked me back in the moment. It took me a minute to butter it before I crammed it into my mouth. Then someone knocked on the door in three quick raps. The butter dripped into my muzzle fur as I rushed to finish off the last bite. A panic glance at my parents' old grandfather crock. It broke a few years ago. They offered it to me if I could repair it, and I stuck it in the kitchen. Eight-thirty was hardly an hour to poke a badger, but I scrambled to the counter to grab anything to wipe through my fur with. Another three knocks. Be right there, I growled, rushing around. As I shuffled my way through the hallway in my dumb slippers, adjusting my robe to make sure I didn't have any funny bits peeking out, three more knocks banged the door. I was about to object louder until I glimpsed a turquoise shape behind the front door's frosted glass window. Then I practically ripped the door off of its hinges. There, a slim lizard stood in his usual orange coat, wearing a shrewd grin and holding out a palm of pink flowers behind the netted screen door. "'Happy anniversary,' he announced in that rich, gravelly voice of his, eyelids narrowing affectionately over yellow scleras. "'I was already crushing him in a hug.' Oh, my God, Art, fuck you. His arms slid into place under mine, breath raspy as we clung to each other. Ah, I got you some, uh... He rubbed my back, so I loosened my grip and leaned back enough to look him in the eye. I went scavenging a bit, and I picked you some peonies. I thought they looked delightful and dew. I pressed my muzzle to his and closed my eyes, savoring the moment as if his mouth were an oasis under a hot desert sun. He held the kiss, if softer, before we broke apart, and I pulled him inside. As he walked past me, I took one last close look outside, scouring for his tracks and finding nothing obvious. I let the screen door swing shut as I turned back to him. Art! I hesitated scanning up and down his worn, dirt-stained clothes to his scuffed black shoes. I can vacuum after. You just sit down in the kitchen, I'll get you warmed up. His analytical look turned into a compassionate nod. As he strolled along, I turned to close the wood door, setting the lock as it pressed shut. I ambled my way down the hallway behind him, quickly checking my muzzle in the mirror when the coffee machine beeped. By the time I made it to the kitchen... Arthur was seated in the far chair of the dining table, spinning the peonies between his fingers. I figured you'd already have some flowers on the table. He inclined his head to the kitchen counter ahead. New coffee machine, though? Yep. Got it a month ago. I made a beeline for the cabinets, fishing out the first jar available and setting it under the tap. Old one was acting up. Probably could have fixed it myself, but I figured it was an ancient anyway, and I wanted to give ourselves a little treat. With the jar filled halfway, I made my way to the table and set it down so he could put the flowers in. I wonder if that means we're old. Already getting excited for new appliances, huh? His scoff made me smile wider than I ever could have expected. You want coffee? I asked, drifting back to the machine. I was already grabbing two mugs and aligning them side by side as he mumbled agreement. I might as well have darted through a wall before pouring our drinks and measuring out careful spoonfuls of sugar over his trademark World's Best Dad mug. We didn't have any kids. He just thought it was funny. When I finished, I carried both to the table and delicately set them down, taking the seat closest to Arthur. His slitted black irises glimmered. You brewed all that for yourself? His hand felt cold when he found my paw and squeezed it. No wonder you're getting fat. I... Hey... I clung to his hand like it was some kind of long, romantic handshake. "'It was subconscious or something.' "'I knew you'd drop by. In my heart,' I uttered, wearing a playfully wistful look. Arthur steadily rose the mug to his mouth and blew through the faint steam rising over the lip. He was holding it a little weird, though, and it took a slight twist of his wrist in his first tentative sip before I felt the fur on my arm mat down. "'Wait, hon, you're bleeding.' he swallowed gingerly, then set the mug down with a sigh. "'Ah, damn it. I was wondering if I could hide it. It's not that bad, really.' He surrendered his other hand to me as I brought both paws to cradle it. A shallow gash ran diagonally through his scales. It really wasn't that bad, but I missed fussing over him. "'Here, let me—' "'No, wait.' His eyes lost their mischief for a split second. "'If they caught me with anything—' His glance flicked away. They wouldn't do anything to me, but if they had evidence, you helped. Hmm. Yeah. I rose anyway, after an extra sip. But if you get your dumb blood on my table, they could just use that. Fine, he grunted with some frigidity, before it quickly faded. (laughs) I can't imagine you getting caught and still climbing out with me. At least not as long as you drink four cups per morning. I strode to the linen closet outside of the kitchen and scoured for something I didn't mind staining. I poured through that statement as I picked a suitable towel. When I got back to the kitchen, I tossed it to him underhand. You climbed out again? That how you fucked up your hand? Arthur scooped it up and shrugged. Yeah, wasn't my best work. It's always the barbed wire that'll get you. His smile grew into an infectious, toothy grin. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how barbed wire works. His grin turned into a pompous smirk. Didn't work well enough this time. I made my way back to the chair beside him as he took another sip. It never does, huh? He set the mug down and wiped his mouth with a cloth. Well, they shouldn't have built a fence if they didn't want me to climb it. Mm Hmm, can't keep my husband under control. My phone started buzzing from the counter behind me, halting our banter as Arthur's gaze drifted over my shoulder. I sauntered to the phone before leaning over the counter and peeking at a number I recognized. I answered it like I didn't. Hello, this is Flynn's auto... Gord, you have your radio on? A gruff voice cut in. "Uh, No, I don't have any replacements on me, though I can check in the shop. He ignored me. Three inmates broke out earlier. I'm calling to let you know... "'Keep your eyes peeled for outfits from our prison.' "'He paused, and then a low growl entered his voice. "'One of them's the lizard.' "'My fur bristled along my arm, which I scratched nonchalantly. "'Well, that's terrible.' "'I met Arthur's eyes across the room, which flicked down to the table "'and back up to me before they hid behind the mug up to his mouth. "'I'll keep an eye out for him. "'I, uh, how's Mom's wrist doing?' We didn't see him leave, but they were missing from their bunks this morning. No clue if they crossed the creek. He trailed off before his voice lost some of his guardedness. Oh, Hilda's doing good. Only got four weeks left in the cast. Well that's great. Tell her I love her when you get home. Hm. sure. Silence hung between us. I gazed over a neatly sitting Arthur, cozy in his chair, watching me carefully, contemplative. I closed my eyes as a wave of emotion gripped me. I love you, Dad, I said, gripping the phone like a thirty-pound weight. I love both of you. In the returning silence, I caught an expletive growled away from the phone speaker. His voice returned as a growl. I love you too, Gord, he rehearsed. We're coming over. I clicked off the phone and dropped it flat on the counter. I studied my reflection in the black screen, peering through the sharply contrasting fur of my striped muzzle, "'locked tight behind the disappointment gripping it. "'I trudged back to the table and sat down, "'trying to keep my face even as I turned it to Arthur. "'So, what do you want to do?' Hmm, not much we have time for,' he mused, "'setting his drink down and tapping the table with his long fingers. "'I'd love to head into town, stop by some brunch buffet, "'maybe go out shopping and buy something to replace this heinous jumpsuit,' "'he muttered, picking at the orange fabric on his chest.' "'Ah, I'd love to. "'Next time I'm down there, I could grab something for the drawer,' "'I enunciated all nefariously, like I always did, "'talking about my stash of Christmas and birthday gifts for him each year. "'His gaze softened. "'He stood up and nudged the chair back. "'In an instant, he slid onto my lap, "'wrapping his uninjured hand around my neck and leaning in close. "'We silently met each other's eyes before his mouth edged forward "'and pressed against my muzzle.' holding me in a kiss as I clung to him. After a moment, we broke away and stared at each other. Six more years, I groaned. Arthur's mystical black eyes flicked away, measuring a thought before focusing back on me. As I was frolicking about through Mr. Mivel's farm, finding my way here, he looked the other way at the curtain masking light from the backyard door before his slithery voice returned. I was thinking about how nice of a place we chose to buy a home. I watched him thoughtfully, cherishing his presence. He shifted his head back to me and spoke with the elegance of a poet. The orange-dyed trees, the rickety wooden fences, the golden seas of wheat stretching over hills of rising sunlight. The corners of his mouth curved into a familiar smile. It's a shame we'll be leaving it all soon. I pressed my paw into his back and closed my eyes. I broke out of here with Kenneth and Varden today. We split off to cover Ken's trail, his daughters waiting at the eastern border, and all bets are off if he crosses near the sea. When I opened my eyes, I saw that passionate glimmer return to his. He never killed anyone. We're going to free him, Gordy. They aren't going to catch him. He didn't do shit, and I didn't do anything either. His arm tightened around me as he rubbed my back with his fingers. We stayed like that, free in a moment together, right up until the turn of the hour. The dull, repetitive droning of the grandfather clock's chimes sounded through the kitchen, shaking us out of our hug. He stepped off of my lap, then held out a hand for me to stand. "'Your dad,' Arthur muttered. "'If he finds me here.' He shook his head, then transfixed me with a serious look. Thanks for the coffee, Hun. If anyone smells my scent here, just say I held you at knife point. I smirked. Noted. I'm sure you would, had I given you the chance. He nodded. They wouldn't do shit about me. I can escape as much as I want in this town. If they wanted to stop me, they'd try harder. He removed the cloth, inspecting the cut again. I know your dad. And I know what he'd do. But he knows me too. My glance shifted to the pink flowers, peeking out of the makeshift vase, just beyond his side. Escaping never worsened a sentence, much to the prison's detriment. I found myself chuckling. Never change art. He dropped the towel on the table and stepped to the backyard door as I followed him. His eyes slid up to me, suddenly glistening with the warning of tears. You too, Gord, he said quietly. Hang in there. We met in another tight hug, leaning on each other's shoulders. I sniffed slowly at him, taking in his scent, relishing it with the knowledge that it would soon be leaving. The jumpsuit felt rough in my paws, though I felt his strong back muscles through the fabric, the same set I'd been watching him work on since high school. Arthur cleared his throat, then sighed. "'I'll make it out of there for good someday,' he whispered against my ear. "'And we're going to move somewhere.' It'll be a while, but it won't be forever. I'm going to go free, but more importantly... He breathed out slowly, rustling the fur on my neck. I'm going to free you, Gordy. I'm going to free you, too. We slid our heads back to connect our mouths. In the kiss, his hands combed through the fluff of my robe. As we broke apart, he wiped his eyes with a sleeve, pulling aside the curtain with his other hand. He unlocked the door to the rush of a breeze, then glanced back at me before his first step back into the wild. Love you. I swallowed. Love you, too. And thanks for the flowers. He gave one more smile, then stepped out the door. He turned, grasping the handle like he was about to close the door and walk away, until he stopped and peered back. By the way, he declared, your slippers are still dumb. The door flew shut as he sprinted down the porch. He glanced back quickly, waved with his good hand, raced across the yard before ducking into the forest behind our house. Our house. I smiled. He made me feel like ripping my fur out some days. On others, I would run across the continent for him. I felt the age creeping into my bones on occasion, yet a young spirit deep within me, like the time lost to our arrangement, kept us from ever growing tired of each other. I'm sure he grew tired of sleeping on single-inch mattresses for the past half-decade. I stood at the door for a while and just watched the soothing sway of the trees, imagining Arthur retreating back to the house with some freshly picked flowers. Leaves fell occasionally, drifting down onto grass I hardly maintained. Sure, I'd hire someone every once in a while, but I couldn't do all that work on my own. It made me think of him and how lonely it could feel. I still thought about the empty pillow and the ski resort breakfasts and the classes we used to snore through together. With a shake of my head, I wrapped my paws around the edges of the curtains and closed them. Strolling through the doorway of the kitchen, I flicked the ceiling lights on instead, before walking to the table and draining my mug, staring down at Arthur's half-finished drink. I was mindful of cleaning that up, washing our glasses and placing them back exactly where they were, "'grabbing his discarded rag and depositing it into the washing machine a couple rooms down. "'As I finished up and crept halfway up the stairs to get dressed, three knocks pounded on the door. "'My brisk walk to answer it slowed as I recognized black and white fur obscured through the frosted glass. "'I unlocked the door and cracked it open. "'On the other side was a stocky badger in a brown leather jacket and ludicrous sheriff's hat. "'There was a police car behind him pulled up on the pavement with two other cops, a bear I recognized and a horse I didn't. I knew this was coming, but my mouth went dry. Hey, son, Dad grunted in his brusque voice. He'd been getting shorter with age, though he still stood a couple inches over me. I slid open the screen door and met him face to face. Hey, Dad. His brown eyes studied my robe. You uh just get out of bed? "Uh, Yeah, slept in a bit. I glanced towards some incoming clouds. Hard get-up on weekends, you know. Hmm. Not for church. His face betrayed no emotion. We scattered the area. Saw some footsteps heading north from your house. One of his eyebrows raised. Did any suspicious customers happen to show up here this morning? Hmm? What? No, I... I stopped for a second as an idea hit me. Oh, I was out in the forest last night. I was trying to see the stars. You know which planets were overhead last night? A frown pulled at the corners of his muzzle. Dangerous time to go out. You don't know what's out there this time of year. I didn't really know what to say, so I shrugged idly. You sure you didn't see anyone? Stan Mivell said he thought he saw a pair creeping through his farm this morning. He knew what was up. My heart thumped through my ribs. "'Nah.' I answered, forcing my voice to stay even and my fur to stay down. Don't you think they would have broken away from town? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to snoop around here, especially if they know I got you on speed dial. His dull look didn't change. Why would they know that? I opened my muzzle. No sound came out. I tapped my paws against each other as I looked to his car. Hmm. No reason, right? He grumbled. I, uh, suddenly he cracked a rare smile. Nah, I know what you mean. I'm just teasing you. His arms spread wide, unexpectedly beckoning me in. Love you, son. I hesitated for a moment before tiptoeing into the hug. His beefy arms slid under mine, clutching me firmly while I squinted over his shoulder at the bear and horse who stared back at me and whispered to each other, When I was ready to break away, he held the hug for another moment, prodding his muzzle against my... My ears flicked in panic. He took a deep, laborious sniff into the shoulder of my robe. He let go, quickly, and turned away from me in an instant. I stood there, frozen, as he trotted down the steps, tail flicking back and forth. "'Nope. No one around here, fellas,' he declared firmly to the other officers. He waltzed all the way to the front of the car, Pulling open the front door and climbing into the driver's seat without sparing me a glance. The other two cops followed him, though the bear gave me a casual wave before he ducked into the car. In an instant, the car was moving, turning around on the driveway, receding to where the pavement intersected with the rugged asphalt road. I breathed in, slowly, then twisted away and trampled back into the house. In a quick moment, I was back indoors, away from the whirling breeze, detecting utter silence except for the ticking of the clock in the kitchen. I followed the sound absent mindedly until I was standing in the doorway with the faint scent of Arthur. My stride continued to the table, where I crept around to his chair, still pulled out, away from the others. I sat down where he did, just waiting, staring across the kitchen until the jar of peonies caught my eye. Through the blankness of thought, I leaned forward to pick up the jar and sit back again. My paw toyed at one of the flowers until I picked it out to inspect it closely. A wave of brilliant, frilly pink petals rose from its densely-leaved stem, protecting the stamens in the middle. For the first time, I noticed its scent over Arthur's. Faint, but sweet. I closed my eyes, imagining Arthur crouching on someone's lawn at the crack of daylight, dirtying the shins of his jumpsuit, then finding himself distracted by the hues of the sunrise, composing poetry in his head. I imagined him utterly indifferent to his own injury, strolling calmly through the forest near my house, knowing that he'd make it in time to see me, knowing that he'd have paved the way for someone else's escape. I thought about him sitting where I sat, teasing me as he did, satisfied with the simple idea that he outsmarted the system again, surprising me at my home before I could even think to drive down to the prison to greet him, but, for now, I was alone with the ticking of the grandfather clock. I twisted the peony of my paw and took one last whiff before I let it slip back into the vase. This was One Seat Empty by Duke Ferret, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a story that you think would be a good fit for the show, please get in touch. I'm at Khaki Doggy on Twitter and Telegram, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.